The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link, along with Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson. Special edition of the Prospect Pod today, James. We're going to be welcoming on Ian Kahn here momentarily. I don't know if Ian's going to be doing the video portion of the show, but I'm excited to talk with him about his dynasty rankings, which went live to the site. Uh, Before we welcome him on, we want to announce the winner of the Young Bat Company contest that uh, you kind of set up and announced when we last did the show three weeks ago. Yeah. uh, For those who didn't listen to last week's show, um, the Young Bat Company, which is a a cool company if you're into baseball at all, they they make uh, a lot of cool bats and they also make some mugs. Um, they are certified by the MLB Players Association. Uh, they offered to donate uh, one of their mugs in a contest. And the specifics of the contest were basically just you had to reach out to me and explain to me why I was too high or too low on someone on my top 400 prospect rankings. 
and got a lot of good submissions on that. Um, pretty much for the most part, I would say everyone who made an argument um, made a, a strong argument, and most of those players will probably get a slight bump in the direction the person was arguing for. Uh, obviously, there were there were a few that weren't as convincing. Uh, Dusty in Colorado tried to make a case for Wander Javier, who will probably go undrafted in back-to-back Rule 5 drafts here. Um, Wander that's Javier is not getting added. That's gimmick for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, that's his, that's his shtick. Um, but, you know, I want to mention a few of the ones that were close but didn't quite win. Um, Tom McQuaid nominated Colin Barber. Uh, Astros outfield prospect. Uh, I think I have him ranked 290 right now. He he said that I'm too low on him. I I think he's probably right. I will be bumping up Colin Barber. Uh, he's got a chance to be a five category guy. Um, pretty toolsy. He'll be bumped up a little bit. Um, John Thompson had a, a funny nomination where he said that I'm too high on Luis Angel Acuna because, and then he went on to list pretty much every. Uh, brother duo and with the exception of the Seeger brothers pretty much every brother duo had one brother who was awesome and one brother who was really bad um, so I thought that was funny uh, Robert uh, Mershak said that I was too low on Tariq Skubal which I, I think I agree with I think I'll bump him up a little bit um, we had a, a good nomination from friend of the show Dan Coronado, Corrado who uh, said that I was too uh, low on uh, Brian Rocio and the Indian system. I think that's that's probably accurate. Um, but I think the the overall winner to me was uh, Andy from Wisconsin, who on Twitter is AGE Baseball NWS, um, longtime listener and. His argument was that I am too high on Xavier Edwards in the Rays system, and that's that's the winning argument to me. Um, and he kind of laid it out. Uh, and uh, as you'll notice, this was a this was an argument of a guy that I I was too high on, which uh, pretty much every other <laughs> submission was a guy that I'm too low on. So people nominating a prospect that they're really high on that they think I, I should be higher on. Uh, in this case, he said I'm too high on Xavier Edwards and he should be lower, which I tend to agree with, actually. And he kind of laid it out that it's a, it's a raised prospect who, realistically, you, you look at the depth chart ahead of Xavier Edwards, it's, it's tough to see how he would ever be an everyday player in this organization. Um, you know, I, I think he's got a similar skill set to a guy like Nick Madrigal, where it's it's speed and batting average and really no power at all. And that'll work when it's a guy like Madrigal, who's a college hitter, who's close to the majors, who's high pedigree, his team used a, a top 10 draft pick on. Uh, like Nick Madrigal's playing time is pretty safe in Chicago, I would say. But I think Xavier Edwards in Tampa Bay, I just don't see a player with his lack of power um uh, ever moving into sort of a full time role. Like I think he could be kind of a, maybe an infield version of like Manny Margot for them, uh, where he's playing, you know, three, four days a week, something like that. 
Uh, but that's tough in a in a weekly league. And so I think Xavier Edwards, if he gets traded to a rebuilding club, I think his value would, would soar up. But I don't think we can just assume that that's going to happen. I think we have to kind of rank him like we're assuming he reaches the majors as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. And yeah, I think, you know, I have him just outside my top 100. I think he probably should be closer to 150 than 100. And so I think Andy from Wisconsin made a, a pretty uh, convincing case um, that I am a little bit too high on Xavier Edwards. So I think he will be the winner and he will get to pick a mug from Young Bat Company of his choosing. I like that. Andy in Wisconsin. Congrats, Andy. Should he just reach out to you then on Twitter or something? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a direct okay. message and keep it get, in, in uh, Scotty. Scotty boy. Yeah, it, it had nothing to do with that. I mean I'm not I, I do not I'm not like friends with Andy. I don't live down the street from Andy or anything like that. Uh but he's your buddy from back I did home. I I did recognize the uh the Twitter handle. Uh he, he has been uh, a loyal listener. Um but yeah, I I just think that, that was a you know, I'm I'm sort of a glass half uh, empty guy uh, a lot of the time, so I think it might have just been the case that I was too high on a guy that that sort of uh, I found convincing because you know yeah. everyone's trying to get prospects they love pumped up a little bit, but yeah, the one uh, guy like, who went went against you, yeah, um, yeah, in that respect is is the winner. Congrats again to Andy uh, and to the Young Back Company for sponsoring this little contest. That's a good time. Uh, I agree. Just a guy with that little power, just hard in, in fantasy baseball in particular, to have a, that guy filling a roster spot. It just puts such pressure on your other roster spots to to uh, for that power output, and it's hard to make up. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to mention Wander Franco because he got hurt in the Dominican Winter League, right? Uh, any update on him and what's going on with Franco? Uh, I think they're saying that there's no structural damage with his shoulder, that it's just inflammation. Uh, but I, I am, you know, it's not like I'm bumping him out of the number one spot. Um, I think people should know, like, he's the number one prospect. Um, I don't think he's just in this tier by himself, though. Like, I think, like, Julio Rodriguez and Marco Luciano, to me, are are kind of in that same tier. And... Uh, Franco probably steals more bases than those guys. Uh, probably a bit safer in terms of batting average and, and OBP, but uh, Rodriguez and Luciano are going to hit more homers than, than Franco, and I think they're they're uh, very very talented. So I don't, I don't think Franco's just up up in this tier by himself necessarily. Um, but I won't be moving him out of the top spot. But I do think it's it's a little bit of a ding on his value, just because you know if you have a hitter with a with a shoulder issue that's not going to get treated and that's just supposed to get better kind of on its own. Uh, you don't necessarily know you're out of the woods till you're till you're officially out of the woods on that. So I, I do think it's uh, a knock on his 2021 value specifically because we just don't know if he's going to report to spring training 100 percent and. If he's not 100% in spring training, he won't be able to make as strong of a case that he deserves to be promoted early in the season. So the Rays, obviously, have no need to promote him. Like There's not a gaping hole anywhere in their infield, so they can wait on him as long as they need to. So I, I think uh, Franco, I think, I think still probably going inside the top 300 in uh, early drafts. I don't have a problem with that, but I'm probably not going to be taking him there. 
Interesting. I always enjoy your Rookie Tears article every year for the magazine. I'm looking forward to seeing how those shake out at the top because, yeah, Franco not in the tier by himself, and maybe the case could be made that you know other prospects who have yet to debut have more value in redraft. I can certainly see that. And Vlad Jr., glad to see he's already down, what, uh, 30-some pounds? Uh, that's yeah, good. You gotta... good for him. He's, I guess they're trying to met third again. Oh, I, I didn't even see that. I, well, in the Dominican, I think guess he wanted to play oh. third. But <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, that's. I, I don't think he's going back to third for the Blue Jays. No, well. probably not. But, Good for him trying to, you know, because such such immense talent. Good to see him refining that a little bit. We got to welcome on Ian Kahn. Stick with us. We'll be back with Ian in one second. Welcome back to the Prospect Podcast. Clay Link and James Anderson here, and we welcome in Ian Kahn. Of Rotowire and the Athletic, Ian. So good to talk with you, man. It seems like it's been quite a while. It has. And, it's been uh, a little too long. I miss. Yeah, I miss my friends. Miss you good too. To, good man. to see. Good to yeah. hear your voice. Uh, James and I only on the video, but uh, it's kind of ironic. The two uh, faces for radio on the video. <laughs> uh, your your dynasty rankings, of course, the topic of conversation today. Ian posted to Rotowire a week ago, and really good stuff. Want to lay some initial framework as we always do before we talk about this. These are geared toward five by five roto with batting average. Anything else you want to mention? Two catcher, caveats? yeah, two catcher as opposed to one catcher. Uh, fifteen team is it's it's a thought of as a fifteen team um, two catcher uh, five by five roto average. Yep, that's the stuff. Nice man. Yeah, check these out for yourself if you have not had a chance to slash pod for a free ten day trial. No credit card required, no strings attached. We will not bill you uh, after the end of the trial because we don't have your credit card information. Wow, that's really cool. Is that really right? Yeah. That's really – so wait a minute. Email. We're just going to – Clay, everyone can just hop on and like grab all the rankings and get a taste of the site and then be on their way. Yeah, they can do and that. While they're, that's how they confident could. we are in the product. Yeah, and, that's uh, a good stuff. Yeah. yeah Man, you get James cool. Anderson's top 400 – you get if you look at the the. Have you guys dropped Clay? Have you dropped the, the rankings for twenty twenty one yet or not? I have yet? not. I I don't know what to make of the pool myself yet. I've still got to you know still digging into the research aspect. Personally, I had I had to get these out, man, because I did I did mine on August thirtieth because I wanted to do it right before the trade deadline for most leagues, and so James, I was James was like, "Yo, you gotta you gotta bring them out." So I did August thirtieth, and then like time passed, and I really wanted to wait till after the playoffs because the playoffs do matter to me, not in terms of like, um, you know how much. It doesn't change the numbers per se, but it changes the perception of players a lot. And I like to put that in there because so much of what is in this list is not just like how I think about these players. It's also what I think the market for these players are. And I think that that's kind of important to to put out there as well. Yeah, that's so important. And you are a master trader. And I don't know if anybody has their pulse on the market any more than you do, Ian. Uh, James, we will just dive in. Any questions off the top, though, that you might have for Ian? Um, well, you know, I, I have, a some of the questions I have are kind of more, um, strategy based than necessarily player based. Uh, but you know, I, Ian, is, is there anything you want to mention sort of with the, well, I have a question kinda. for James. Sure. Sure. Uh, what's it like for you to have, uh, for us to have finished in second place again in RDI? 
What's that like? Oh man, I didn't with our boy, with our dear friend Brett Sayre, my partner in another league, Brett Sayre, taking it down this year. I I didn't, I didn't expect uh, you to bring this up. It's a, it's a sore subject. Uh, Happy, happy for Brett Sayre, one of the nicest guys you'll meet. Um, I, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, We just cannot, we cannot just keep living right there. Second place. uh, 2018 in a 20-team league, third place. 2019, back to second place this year. Just uh, can't, not yet over the hump. I, I uh, second place was the key to my year. I'm the king of second place in 20 uh, 2020. It was, it was a, it was a painful last four days of the fantasy baseball season. Uh, yeah, it really Sorry was. That, uh, Herman Marquez didn't push you guys over the top. <laughs> That's too bad. I, I do like Herman. I thought our trade was pretty fair, although. Before we welcomed Yanni, and somebody made a case that Luis Angel Acuna overrated by James, and I could I could maybe see that. Um, but to your dynasty rankings, Ian Fernando Tatis Jr. at the very tip top, ahead of Ronald Acuna, ahead of Juan Soto, ahead of Mookie Betts. Mike Trout was there. Much question for you, or is there's a lot of questions? Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions. I mean, those top three. I, I I'd like to. I mean, we did that cool. Or this is the fantasy baseball podcast, right? That's what we're doing. Yes, the prospect the baseball, pod is part the prospect of the pod. I just wanted to make sure because we did. I guess it was like three months ago when we did it with Eddie. The four of us did like, the, which was super fun. I really did enjoy that. You know, I, I'll ask you guys, what do you think of that top three? I'm comfortable with Mookie at four and Trout. I mean, the idea that Trout's at five should be should be a headline here for me. Um, but you know, those top three guys, I, I guess. I, you know, I, I could go back and forth on all of them. Actually, I could say that Juan Soto should be number one just for the absolute safety and floor of him, and the character of him, the the player of him, and the lack of risk with him of running into walls or or, or pulling a you know pulling a groin or something. Whereas you could say Acuna has more power, but I don't know. I I, I didn't. I had Tatis at number one in late August. And the reason was it was during that time where he was just out of control. I mean, just we remember, I mean, it was just like best player in baseball, 21 years old, like, okay. And then I didn't want to move him and I just didn't move him. And I kept, I kept it Tatis Acuna Soto. Those are my clear top three. Um, that's top tier, I guess. What, what do you guys think? You know, I, I would probably have Soto one, but I think they're, they're in the same tier. I, I would take Tatis and Acuna over Soto just for 2021, but um, that stability and uh, you and I, I think, you know, everyone approaches dynasty leagues a little bit differently. I don't value stolen bases nearly as much in dynasty leagues as I do in, uh, redraft leagues, just because I think the players who tend to steal the most bases often age the worst in dynasty. And, uh, I just love that, that you're getting that four category base with Soto. That's just so bankable, so reliable, so I I would have Soto one, but I I agree that it you know you could have them in, in really any order. Yeah, I'm uh I'm on the other side. I think I'd have Acuna one, so we'll have three different choices. I'm not the one to listen to, so uh, I do think Acuna yeah, though with his steals and the on base ability, the power, it's just the total package. I also and maybe I'm overthinking this, especially in a dynasty league, but shortstop being as deep as it is, I mean it's just almost comical. And maybe that's weighing against Tatis in my mind a little bit. Do you think that's a mistake, James? Well, I think outfield is just as deep in dynasty, so I 
I don't think. I, whenever I'm doing a draft, I feel like I fill up, up. Like outfield is usually my best player available for picks where I don't end up taking an outfielder because I already have too many. You know, like I, I like shortstop is deep. Fair. You're right. You're right about shortstop being deep, but it's just you also have a middle infield spot you have to fill. Um, you know, you like I don't enjoy starting like. Mid Nick Ahmed, the low tier. Yeah, like I, I don't want to start someone like that. So I, 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 I think I'm a Nick Ahmed guy, James. I like I, Nick Ahmed. I am <laughs> Nick Ahmed. I, I, I think Nick Ahmed's on this list. No, I'm <laughs> a Nick Ahmed guy. He's. You I can think, be a Nick Ahmed guy and not want to be starting Nick Ahmed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially as your shortstop. Maybe as your middle, I could say. Nah, Nick Ahmed did not make the list. I'm disappointed. Oh. I think I think I was back and forth on that, but he just he just did not make just the list. Just on the That's outside too. looking in. Yeah, just on the outside looking in. Well, Ian, oh. you mentioned Mike Trout at five. Behind him, Trey Turner, Trevor Story. I'm a little worried about Story's long-term future, where he's going to be playing. Shane Bieber then checking in as the first pitcher on the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it looks like there's a, a little bit of a distance between him and Garrett Cole. And then uh, nobody else really in that mix, am I right? Looks like DeGrom down at 30. Uh, we got Bueller at 18. Oh, there's, there's Bueller. Which could be argued. I mean, that's the great thing about this list. And Flaherty at 27. The great thing about this list is is uh, I, I post it, and then within about mm, 15 minutes, I go, you know, I'm rethinking that, you know? But so it's it's part of the it's part of the, the process of it, and you just got to get the list down. Um, but for me, Bieber ahead of Cole really has to do with age. I mean, it's just an age difference for me. There's just so many more years, and I'm even accounting for the fact that he could run into a TJ situation, and still, I think he's 25, I need to... I'm pretty sure that's how old he is. Maybe he's 26, just hit 26. Um, but so that's that's the reasoning behind it. It was such a dominant year out of him. And if you're gonna if you're gonna build a staff, having Shane Bieber on your team for a good long time would be great. Garrett Cole ran into the Gary Sanchez problem. That's what I like to call it. Uh, and uh, so he he drops it just a little bit for me being with the Yankees. You you mentioned Gary Sanchez. I actually had a question. Uh, sort of about him he's he's in like the 200 so we're moving way down the list and we'll move back up here in a second but um so my question about gary sanchez is like i i have him in a couple dynasty leagues and yeah we have him and he's what cost us to win this year with his one seven average i'm basically out on him I, there's uh, a lot of data out there um basically he he made kind of the he might have had the worst uh, approach or, or ability to, to make contact um, on pitches in the strike zone of, of, of anyone last year. And I don't like his uh, makeup in, in the sense of like, I don't trust him to be working his ass off to get better. Um, and I, I'm basically out on him, but what's your advice to someone who has a player like that, who, yeah. You know, if you do any sort of dynasty startup, someone's going to try to fill their catcher spot by taking Gary Sanchez. And but, like, if you're trying to trade Gary Sanchez, you know, you're going to get lowballed all over the place. Are you willing to sort of just take what you can get for a guy that you're? And it doesn't have to be Gary Sanchez. It could be, you know, someone else who, for whatever reason, you're just kind of out on them, but you have them on on your roster. Are you willing to sort of cash them out at a low point after a down year? 
Nope. Uh, and just sort of take whatever you can get, or do you nope. just even if you don't think they're good, do you just yep. have to hold them? And, and yep. Hold them? You have to hold them. I remember when we made this trade for Gary Sanchez, we traded with Ralph Lifshitz, and I don't remember exactly who's in the deal. I remember Tyler Freeman was in the deal, and we felt really good about it. We were going for the win. I think it was 2019, uh, and we were in the top two uh, or three right there, going for the going for the championship. So now we own him, and he cost us the championship this year because where we lost it was an average, and he hit 147. And I remember when you picked up when we picked up Sean Murphy, you were like, "We're picking up Sean Murphy." I was like, "We've got a catcher, and it's a one catcher league." You're like, "We're picking up Sean Murphy." I'm like, "All right, he's gonna be on our bench because Gary Sanchez is our long term catcher." You're like, we're t- picking up Sean Murphy. We can't trade Gary Sanchez right now. The same reason why the Yankees could not non tender him, because the truth is he has talent. He has the talent. He, his makeup that you describe, I, I've talked about this for years because I was a catcher, right? I was a catcher in high school. When I played in college, I was a catcher. I love catchers. And I judge catchers really harshly if they aren't good catchers. And Gary Sanchez is a bad catcher. But Gary Sanchez has improved as a catcher by a lot over the course of the last couple of years. I mean, he, the wild pitches and pass balls for the New York Yankees, people point to the pass balls and they say, well, you know, he doesn't have that many pass balls. Yes, but look how many wild pitches are on his team. He doesn't catch it. He doesn't stop anything. Well, last year he started to stop the ball better. Last year he started to catch better. So his makeup, which before I would have given like A to F, I would have given him a D for makeup. I'm up to a C on makeup, which still isn't so high, but still higher than what it was. He's better than what we saw. There is upside for him to return value. Certainly, we'd be give, we, we would get a second round or third round pick in this draft, which in this draft is not terribly great. Um, I would not advocate for that. I think when you have a player like that who's – it's similar to me trading a guy who has TJ, who just had TJ. You don't trade them then. You hold them and you wait till they bring value back. That's my play. In dynasty leagues, so that then when they get closer, a guy like Jamison Tyon a year ago was a throw-in in a trade. This year, Jamison Tyon is coming back. Now he has value, right? So sometimes you have to hold a roster spot waiting. Now, so for Sanchez, here's what I look at it: he had 147 with 10 home runs. He was terrible, absolutely terrible. If he comes back, and we're we've got you and I are maybe arguing going to argue about this as we get closer to to cut down part of the season. But if he is in May and he's hitting 150 and he's sitting half the time, we're going to drop him. But if he turns it on and goes into Gary Sanchez beast mode, which he has the potential to do, and we've given him up for 15 cents on the dollar, we will have failed as a dynasty owner, in my perspective. That's my POV. I think that's I think that you're right. Like I think that's the point. Is like you're not. You're not holding the guy and saying you're never going to cut him for nothing. Like, that's still a possibility. Absolutely. But just what you're getting back in a trade is has, does not have enough value to justify cutting the cord at this Sim- point. Right. Similar to, like, Dallas Keuchel, right? There was right after Keuchel's, it was like, he's done. He's he's toast. I was like, he's not done. He's worth, he's worth a hold. I was picking him up in trades before last season. Um, and he came through this year. Right now is when so so now is when you trade Dallas Keuchel. You don't trade him when he's at the bottom of his value. You wait till he's at the top of his value, and then you say, you know what, we we got our value out of him. Someone else is going to buy him at this price, and then you get five times what you would have gotten for him last year. That's the game. I mean, that's what the game is all about. Someone like Victor Robles, you know, was it two years ago? Let's talk Joe Adele. Joe Adele last year was the hardest player in baseball to get. In Dynasty. You couldn't get him, right? 
you just say he was going to be the next big thing. Well, now if you own Joe Adele and you're trading Joe Adele right now, <laughs> call me first. Right. That's that's the biggest sucker move that you could make this offseason is trading Joe Adele. <laughs> yeah, and and the and and it, so I'm not going to say to the same extent that Gary Sanchez falls into the Joe Adele because I don't. I mean, Sanchez never has the potential to be a top second round, you know, second round pick. I don't think anymore. But it's the same ballpark for me. Same theory. It's the theory. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, what you said makes a lot of sense. I, I'm in the boat where I just don't see Sanchez coming back and being, you know, the guy he was when he first came up. The this average sinkhole is just too much to overcome. But I, from a strategical standpoint, you know, game theory, I kind of understand not wanting to. Maybe a little sunk cost fallacy mixed in there as well. But Clay, Clay, think back, think back, if I may, to last, was it March, beginning of March, and we're sitting at the Labor Ale only table, which hopefully James Anderson is going to be playing in Labor next year because he should be. Don't you agree? I agree. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, for sure, without question. Yeah. So um, the we're sitting at the Ale Labor table, and the Colton and the Wolfman is there, and I'm there, and we are doing our yearly fight for Gary Sanchez as we do in many leagues. Price got up to twenty five dollars. After 60 games, he goes from $25 to useless? No. No. $8, $6, $7. I'll be bidding on him this fall. And this spring. Fall. Fall. When? When is it? Spring. This spring, I will be bidding on Gary Sanchez. And I will go up to $7 or $8. Because getting value from the catcher's position is immense. It really is. And that's why James and I get into these fights about my – and we get into less fights now than we used to. In the, in the past, James would go, you like catchers way, way, way too much. There shouldn't be a catcher on this list. And I'm like, no, um, yes, I do. I like catchers way, way, way too much. But the reason is because of the value they bring. It's the value they bring. Because you're doing that. And I, we have uh, – we're paying for the great Gary Sanchez and someone else is getting the Martin Maldonado. We're getting the 35 home runs, and Martin Maldonado is getting the nine home runs or 10 home runs. And that's I, I really think that that's a difference maker in leagues. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be the one fighting you on Gary Sanchez next year, but I reserve the right to battle you <laughs> if I change my mind. Um, we fought over list. Austin Romine. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Clay and I spent the whole spring fighting over Austin Romine. Yeah, he was my favorite cheap catcher. That. That didn't work out too well. Yeah, it was mine too. It was one of mine too, though. Yeah, those two catcher leagues this year were just brutal. Really, the whole pool behind Real Muto is pretty bad. Uh, but back to your dynasty list, Ian. Alex yeah. Bregman at 16 seems like he's his rankings largely unchanged, despite a yeah. 242 average, only six homers and zero steals in the shortened season. What's your thoughts uh, on Bregman? My thoughts on Bregman is that was one of the clear people on the list when I went back and looked at it. I went, why do I have Bregman so high? That's too high for Alex Bregman at this point. Also, because emotionally, and I did call this, I did talk about this, that I thought that Bregman was going to suffer more than most Astros from the scandal. Not necessarily that he wouldn't be able to cheat anymore, like he used to cheat when he cheated, but that uh, emotionally it was going to be hard for him because he's he seems to be a pretty decent fellow. Um and it looked like he took it really hard. And he never he never took responsibility for himself. That's a bad ranking on my part. Uh, and so, James, remember when I said to you, I was like, hey, listen, if I want to make a change on the rankings. And you're like, yeah, yeah, just text me. I'm going to need to I, – I, I think Bregman needs to be down actually quite considerably. I think, I think in redoing this, 
he's got to drop to the late 20s at least. Well, I still think he's going to be good. I do. And I think he's going to bounce back. But if I offered, if I had Alex Bregman and somebody offered me Wander Franco for him right now, hmm, see, that's what I do at the end of the day is I look and I say, all right, who would I rather have in a trade, Franco or Bregman, Bregman or Franco? Hmm. I still, I'm still actually kind of going, hmm, I guess I do like Bregman. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's like a bad rank or anything personally, it's but not, I, it's not great. He's not running. So it's, yeah, it's not the fact great. That he's not running. Does worry me a little bit. James, James do you have any, James, what do you think? Bat? Help me, dude. Help me. I don't think late twenties is where he should go, but like I would take Eloy over Bregman. I would mm-hmm. take Albies over Bregman. Um, I would take probably take his. I'd probably take Kyle Tucker and Luis Robert over Bregman, who you have at twenty three and twenty four. Even though I think they're ne- neither of those guys are ever going to be as good a hitters as Bregman is, and I still think he will be going forward. I just think you have to look at the five category aspect of it. And uh, this is batting average. This isn't OBP. I think Bregman gets a bit of a bump in OBP, but um, yeah, I think you might be like a little high. Eight, Eight spots too high, yeah, I think or something so. like that. And right. I think in in later in the list, eight spots doesn't mean. I right. was going to say a different word, but I'll say crap. Um, but at this point in the list, that's a it's a ding on con. I take the ding, and I roll with it. No, that's fair. That's fair. Should be down. Yeah, I, I, you know, who would you rather take right there? Would you take Bregman or would you take Arenado? Man, I'm so worried about Arnado, man. I've been worried I'd take, about Bre- I'd take Bregman. I'd yeah, I would too. I think that, yeah. that might be the spot. And actually, I think I might take Bregman over Louis Robert at this point. I still would. I just, just for the safety, I'm not sold totally that Robert's going to be able to. Uh, but, you know, it's right, right in that area, I would say. So I want to ask you about a guy who is sort of in that era, area, uh, just inside the top 30, uh, Adalberto Mondesi. Oh, yeah. Very, a very controversial player on yeah. uh, fantasy baseball Twitter. There's a lot of hot takes out there on, on Adalberto Mondesi. Mm-hmm. Um, you were explaining to me during this process why you have him so high, and I didn't push you back at all, but I want you to give you a chance to explain to the listeners why you have him. What, the top. What's his number? Hold on. What, where is he at? 29. You 29. Yeah, I was, I was 28, 29. Yeah, 29. Okay, so here's why. Every single league I played in this year, the team that had Aldoberto Mondesi won the league. Every single league. RDI, DL1, which my team won, Aldoberto Mondesi. Um, just every league, Tout Wars, everything, which was a heartbreak. Clay, man, I was so close yeah, to repeating were. in Tout Wars. To, I, I'm not even going to go I into I didn't realize despair. Ariel had uh, Mondesi. Yeah, he did. He him. had Mondesi. Um, and I was not on him at all in a points league, and for him to do that, no, I wasn't points. either. In a points league, it's not, especially in that format, yeah. the points league. But I'm a little surprised um, to hear Devils that. Rejects, I believe, in Devils Rejects, Alberto Mondesi was the was on the championship team. Um, again, Brett's team had Alberto Mondesi. It just changes the equation when you have a guy who's going to steal bases like that for your team. That's it. I mean, it's just you own the category. It's like, and he'll bring you power. Yes, of course. The beginning of the season, everyone was like, uh, there was one week I actually sat him in DL1, and he stole nine bases and hit four home runs. It was that the monster week. And I was like, you know, because we had D.D. Gregorius, my, my partner Robert Mershak and I, and we had D.D. Gregorius, and we have uh, Tatis on that team. And so I was like, you know what? Just for this one week, we're going to start Adam Duvall at utility or something. And take Didi out of Util, we'll put him into the middle infield slot. 
And, and then he, and then uh, I, I didn't want to do it, but Robert's like, no, let's give it a go. And let's just give him a week off. And then like every day that week, it was just like, oh my God, oh my God. And we were fortunately far enough ahead that it didn't matter at all. But, um, that's why Alberto, Ad Alberto Mondesi is so high. Um, I think he's going to grow into it. Yes, of course, James is right. In six, seven years, five years maybe, the steals will start to go down. But this is what we always dreamed. If you think back so many years to Billy Hamilton and you think about what Billy Hamilton, what we thought Billy Hamilton would be, that's what this dude is, at least to me. Well, what what some people thought Billy Hamilton would be. I don't <laughs> I don't think Claire or I were ever. Uh, uh, I, I had high hopes. I, I, <laughs> I Billy Hamilton in 2013 was being moved as if he was the piece that was going to change the right. world, right? You know, that's what the, I'm thinking back to that period of time yeah, well, before he proved himself not to be. I, but, I think, honestly, I think you popped. have to look at the you, you have to look at the whole um, package a player brings to his team, and before you start saying like, "Oh, this guy's just a just a bad hitter. He's a crappy hitter. He's not gonna whatever." Like. You, a guy can be a low OBP hitter and still bring a lot of value to his big league team. Like watching Alberto Mondesi play defense is a, is a joy and he's still 25 and you just, you don't have to worry about his playing time. Like there are guys out there where you just like, you know, a bad month and he could lose his job. That's not Alberto Mondesi. And look at how the Royals treated him, right? I watched every, you know, I look at the lineup every day. And so they started him out as the second hitter in the lineup for most of the season. And then they dropped him after he was struggling, hitting like Gary Sanchez. They dropped him down to nine. Then they put him up to eight. Then he started to hit again, and they kept him at eight. Then he was continuing to just tear the cover off the ball. They moved him back to two. Then they had him at three for a while. You know, I mean, like they, they are caring for his, they're caring for him in every way. So I'm I'm really comfortable. You guys gonna ask me about Vlad? I'm well. I'll ask you guys about Vlad if that's all right. Well, yeah. I mean, he's right behind Degrom here. I see on your list at 31. Uh, James and I talked a little bit about him before we welcomed you on. He's down. Oh, okay. He's trimmed. I mean, very briefly, but he's trimmed down. I think he said he was trying to play a little third base in the Dominican Winter League. I think at 30, that's about about right. 31. Uh, but I get the the reasons to think that maybe. Maybe it's just not there, especially with the uh, the ground ball rate as high as it is. What do you think, James? Yeah, uh, you know he was he was too heavy. I mean that he was absolutely overweight, uh, especially entering the year last year. He I think he said he lost like twenty pounds during the year and another twenty pounds uh, after the season, and then he's hoping to lose I think another ten before the start of spring training. So. Um, basically he entered last season 50 to 60 pounds <laughs> overweight, which is a crazy thing to say about a 21 year old professional athlete. Um, but I, I'm happy he lost the weight. I'm more interested in just like what you alluded to clay. Can he iron out that swing, um, to the, to the point where he's getting maximum impact when he does connect, uh, you know, him just hitting a, a 300 average where, you know, it's 25 home runs in a full season. You know, that's not, not nearly as exciting as if he's hitting 300, 310 with 35 homers and he's definitely got Which that rock power. Of, so, 
which is kind of what we were looking to and what we were thinking he was going to be. I want to just speak back to the last time I was on the podcast where we did discuss this and we went into good detail. A buddy of mine, uh, I'm going to shout out his name. His name is Jared Hyman. And I remember we were, I was trying to get back on the show to talk about this. And I had forgotten about this until we started discussing it where I was talking about uh, Vlad and I was talking about his uh uh, from a psychological standpoint, which is how I look at the game, I was talking about why I thought he was 50 or 60 pounds overweight. And my buddy Jared called me up. He was like, yo, out of line, like in a big way. And I've got some contact with Vlad and you don't know what you're talking about and you shouldn't be talking like this. And I kind of went back and forth with him a while and I was like, no, you know what? You're right. And I apologize. And I just wanted to take a moment to speak that because I know he listens to your show um, as he's wise to do. Everyone should listen to your show. Um, but uh, he he was right about that. And I tip my hat to him. I will say this. Once I saw the weight go down, I, I lifted Vlad from he was in the mid 40s at that point before I saw that picture. And then I went to the list and I moved him up because I think he's going to have more physicality. He's going to have more flexibility. He'll be better. And he's going to seems to be. Uh, really focused on he wants to be a great ball player. His dad was a Hall of Famer, and he wants to be in that in that area. I think it's an interesting thing. I, I'd be really curious when we come back in a year to see where Vlad is on this list. And my well, hope is that it's higher. There's a, a few other guys who I think that sort of same thinking kind of applies to. I want to see where they're at when we come back here like a year from now. And they're all – you have them all ranked – they're not back to back to back, but they're within six spots of each other, and they're in the forties. Um, Keston Hira, Austin Meadows, Glaber Torres—they're all in the forties on your rankings. They're all coming off down years, and I just want to know, like, who are you highest on? If I said one of those three is going to be in in the top twenty a year from now, and one of those three is going to be outside the top sixty, mm. who who are you highest on? Who are you most concerned about out of those three? Damn. The only one of the three I think could be in the top 20 is Meadows, and I don't think he will be because he's the only one who is going to provide that level of speed to put him into that level. The, the The upside of Hira and Torres is their age. All three of them is their age, really. Torres, I, I watched and struggled with all year. Uh, he he uh, hurt me on in Tower Wars, frankly. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with the injury that started the season for him, his shoulder injury, that really slowed him down. So I'm going to give him that. Uh I don't have any of them in the top 20 next year. And if any of them can drop to the, I, I think Hura, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to defer to you on Hura. You're the one watching him every day. I was a, amazed in watching him. Brett and I did a startup dynasty league last year and I was like, yeah, I mean, Hura, okay. And Brett's like, just watch some film. Cause that's how I do it. I watch film and I was looking at his opposite field power that he was showing in 2019. And I was amazed by his ability. I mean, it was just like, wow. I mean, look at the pop coming off of that guy. But the struggle this year was real. So I wouldn't uh, – top to, inside the top 20, none of them. I could see uh, Glaber heading back. I think also it would be wise for Glaber to go back to second base. He's a bad shortstop. And I think that that probably hurt him a little bit too. I don't have a great answer for you. Uh, I, I, actually, yeah, I guess I kind of do. Let's go by the ranking. I think that Hura is the – uh, uh, I don't know. So let me. I, I, let me I, don't, I don't have a better answer than than, wanna, than all I'll, that. I think you, you said you think Meadows has the highest upward mobility. I think Glaber has the highest upward mobility, and I don't think any of the three are going to steal enough bases for that to really matter in, in terms of differentiating them. Uh, like Meadows, I know he stole the double digit bases in 2019. I don't think he's going to steal double digit bases again. But I think Glaber is 
like he's still 23. He plays on the Yankees. Like all he needs to do is just return to being a 290 hitter who hits 30 plus homers. And I think people are going to look at the age and look at the roster context and treat him like a top 25 guy again, even without the speed. You know, here uh, I'm pretty concerned about, and usually when I'm up here in Wisconsin uh, with all these uh, Rotowire Wisconsin people, I have to kind of be the one, the voice of reason. <laughs> I'm kidding, but um, but sometimes I do have differences when it comes to Brewers, and I know Ian, you're not a Wisconsin guy, but I, I just feel like Hira here is maybe a little high, and then Woodruff right behind him. I just don't really get the case for Woodruff in this spot. Maybe Ian, you could give us Play, your case. Play, play. You you've been too low on Woodruff like every single year. All like, right, here's his it's DBR seventy three and two thirds. Take the L. One hundred and twenty one and two thirds innings, forty two and a thirds innings. So over four seasons, he has two hundred eighty and two thirds innings. But look at this year and look at last year, man. I mean, I I I, I remember but over like gallon. I don't know. That's just personally a little gripe I have. But it's this is the it's fun a, part of it. You can, you can you can gallon gripe me on that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, the thing about Woodruff was it was DVR on the. Uh, I should probably pitch my. I should probably uh, plug my yeah, podcast plug that pod. I on uh, the Athletic uh, Fantasy Baseball podcast that I get to do uh, with Derek Van Riper and Nando Defino and myself. It's a fun show. If you have not checked it out, you do not even have to be a subscriber. Similar, um, and uh, we we talk about Clay Link and James Anderson ding all the time uh, because you guys are my boys and my partners in crime. Um, it was DVR who came last year coming into the season, and he said, Brandon Woodruff is going to be a top 20 pitcher next year. I was like, no, what? Shut up. I, I, I was saying that, too. Anyone okay. who watched the Brewers knew how good Brandon Woodruff was. Like, right. He's an absolute stud. He's an ace. Yeah, he's an ace. I mean, yeah, he's, the, an, he's an ace over 100 innings. But, uh, you're well, you're going to ding him because <laughs> he wasn't able to log 150 innings in a 62 game Not in season, this season, but he's never even cleared 125. <laughs> In the majors, I just I think he's a, an unknown. I mean, the the stuff is pretty good. I just feel like that's a steep stuff price. Stuff is really to pay. good. I watched film and I watched that ball move. I watched the, the the life on that fastball, and I I'm a Woodruff believer now in a way that I was never before. And so you could argue that. I mean, look, I have we all have our favorites. I have Tyler Glass now. James and I picked Tyler Glass now in the 27th round of the 2018 draft that we did, and he was a middle reliever for the Pittsburgh Pirates at the time. And James and I were both like, hey, let's grab Glass now. There's upside here. And I, I don't know about you, James, but for me on our team, along with uh, Ozzy Albies, who we took in the second round, and Bo Bichette that we took in the fifth round or sixth round, I don't know. Well, we, like took, we took Albies in like the fourth round. No, we took him in the we, second we, round. We took Chris Sale in the second round. That I I take full responsibility for that. Uh, that that's my bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and by the way, Freddie Freeman that you took in the first round at fifteen, and remember you were like, oh, I think I blew it here, and that's when I joined in with you. It turns out to be just a, a phenomenal pick. That being said, Tyler Glass. Now I have upside there. That's why he's at forty eight. I just think he has remarkable stuff. People could argue that, but I still think that there's another gear for glass now. And there are similar arguments, but pitching, you know, I'm seeing that you Darvish is like a being picked in the top 20 this year. You know, pitching is when you have aces going, it's, uh, and and guys who are in their twenties who are still growing as, as players. I don't know. I just, it's a, I want to ask you about pitching and, and like, so, 
I think this is a spot that a lot of people are going to find themselves in this off season where they're saying like, I'm ready to compete now. Like I, I built up my, I listened to Ian. I got a bunch of these young hitters. I have that core on my team uh, to go forward with. And now I'm ready to start trying to contend for my dynasty league title. I need to go acquire a starting pitcher. I just don't have enough starting pitching on my roster. I need to trade for one. This was always the plan. I, I'm ready to start trading for starting pitching. Who are some starting pitchers that you would recommend trying to trade for um, where their value right now during this offseason you think is right and it's a, it's a time to pounce? Steven Strasburg. Okay, that's a good one. Steven Strasburg. I have him right now at number 99 on this list. Um, he has ace upside. I traded for him. Uh, Wilson Caraman and I in Dynasty Leagues, you'll notice I have partners now because it takes so much time and I have so many of them that having partners is great. And Wilson Caraman and I are partners in Devil's Rejects, the one place where James Anderson and I fight out. Um, and we traded, oh, God, what's his name? Second baseman for Garrett Hampson, uh, straight up for Steven Strasburg. Nice. <laughs> in it's pretty August nice. of last year. Uh, and it was right when Hampson was starting to play again, right? And the, the, the opponent, or the trading partner, I should say, uh, wanted Hampson, and Strasburg had just gotten his carpal tunnel or whatever it is is going on with his wrist. And it's like, here's upside to get ourselves an ace at the low point. That's what you want. You want to buy guys who are on the down, not guys who are on the up. If you're trading for you, Darvish, this offseason in Dynasty Leagues, be careful. Just be careful. There's, there's value, but be careful. Like, don't overpay. Because you're going to get him for, I think you've got two or three good years left, but you're you're paying at the top of the thing. Another guy I would I would trade for is Chris Sale. Um, another guy I would trade for is Jose Barrios. Another guy I would definitely trade for is Mike Soroka, as long as you can handle the, uh, you know, the challenges of uh the of the lack of strikeouts. But guys that like you're going to have to overpay for, I just I would avoid. Wouldn't you guys go that same route? Yeah, I mean, paying sticker price for any of these guys is just, I think, losing in the long run. I think you're right that you want to – it's like almost like a stock market. There's a time – like, you can buy um, – like, you could have traded for Zach Allen uh, a year ago when, you know, the value – he was still an ascending asset, right? So you're still paying a pretty good price, but he's not to where you think he can get. Like, so I, it, you're – you, you don't want to trade for a guy like you, Darvish, who's at the absolute peak of his value, right? Yep, like, so exactly. I think that's that's the main takeaway. Yeah, a guy who's got some a history of some elbow trouble too. Throws all those wacky pitches. I I like Darvish a lot this year. I probably will not be uh, landing him in twenty twenty one redraft. This one more range, thing, Clay. If I yeah, like, can I just ask? Add one more thing. Mm-hmm. Paying for guys like Sixto Sanchez right now or Jesus Lazardo is really dangerous. You you this just. You're, you're buying. You're buying at the at the height of their prospect value, right? And you just have to be careful because you, you'll find yourself overpaying yeah. a lot. Yeah, like a, you know, the argument Clay is making for Woodruff. Like, I don't. To me, it doesn't apply to Woodruff because I just don't get any durability concerns from him, having like watched him. But like a guy like Jesus Lazardo, I do have durability concerns about because he's. You know, he's barely six feet tall. He's never been able to really pack, you know, 15, 
legitimate starts in a row together. Um, there are guys like that where I am worried about the, the durability issues, and they've never proven it uh, over a full season where they're, where they're pitching like a starter. You know, a guy that's pitching like four innings here, four innings, like back to back to back, like that's not as hard if you're going six innings, six innings. Can I get your can I get your guys' opinion on somebody? I've got two guys in a similar spot, and one of them I really like, and one of them I really don't like, and I think is a mistake. But I think I'm lower on him already than most people. Um, and they're both on the same team: Chris Paddock and Denelson Lamette. I have Paddock above Lamette. That's a mistake for me. Um, Paddock, I don't like Paddock. I just don't like him. Uh, I've never liked him. I've never owned him. I have him at 82. I had some people say, you're too low on Paddock. I'm like, I'm too high on Paddock. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm worried about his health, quite honestly, because his fastball just suddenly became super hittable. I don't know about the velo readings. I don't have them in front of me, but something with the fastball just was not effective. I'm not touching uh, I'm not touching Lamette because I, he ended the season with an elbow injury. There's That's right. no... There's no proof that he's healthy. Yeah. I wasn't touching Mike Clevenger even before the right. Tommy John, but like when a guy ends the year with an arm injury, a serious arm injury, they couldn't even bring him back to pitch in the playoffs. You're right. I'm sorry. Boom. Like, wow. Just don't touch Lamette. Like he he's not out of the woods from a health standpoint. Okay, so here's my, here's the flip side of that. Uh, so Lamette should be you would have Lamette down quite a bit on this list then. You would drop yeah, him. Yeah. Down to the 120s, probably, or 130s, even based on what you just said. I argue uh, to the to the people who don't have this list and are I, I say go get yourself to Nelson Lamette. Uh, now's the time to buy him because, but not the at time, my price. Buy him well, at James. The time, to, the time to buy him is after he gets surgery. Like now's the time to buy Mike Clevenger. Like I, yeah, I think there's two to that you still have to. There's still people that are treating Denilson Lamette like he's going to enter next year fully healthy. So okay, I would- wait, about Clevenger, now is not the time to buy Clevenger. I disagree with you because here's the, here's the problem. The time, and I, I think I've said this on the show before, the time to buy Mike Clevenger is not right after the TJ surgery because now you're dealing with a guy who's holding a player who doesn't want to lose him for the Gary Sanchez lack of value, right? After six months of looking at this guy on his roster, yeah. That's the time to go by. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. After it you're sits, right. and he's like, "Oh, this guy's never coming back." Then you go buy him for pennies on the dollar. So wait, not now. Now's not. Don't don't do it right at TJ. People get pissed. They don't want to like. Oh, now you're offering me a trade for him. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Six months later, they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, you want him? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you Clevenger in the deal." And then all of a sudden, you get Clevenger. Sorry, yeah, I'm just, you're one. You're one hundred percent right. Thank you for correcting me there. Well, thank you for I'll correcting say, me on that. Yeah, I have a lot of health concerns with Lamette and. Chris Paddock. I guess uh, Brandon Woodruff gets a free pass on the health concerns, but Woodruff is uh, the man. A free pass. He's healthy. <laughs> Rose-colored glasses, man. But no, I, I don't know, man. I'm kidding. I don't know, Clay. Let's do a little bet about this. Let's do a little bet. We if do a Will, like, side bet. I'll do a little Woodruff like, side bet. There's, there's never been a point where your uh, skepticism on Woodruff has been proven correct to this point. So you're, you're going to go down, down with the shit? Double down. Okay. Um, 150 innings next year. I've got I've got the over on 150 innings. James, I what do you think? Clay? Take the under. All right. We got it's our, more we got about just overall value, but caveats. But no, I – yeah, I'll take the other side of that. But I while we were That's talking, awesome. I did look up uh, Chris Paddock's numbers against his fastball. He actually gained a little steam, but his – Opponents hit 204, 213, 391 against his fastball in his debut. Uh, and then that jumped last year to 308, 306, 658. So 
a 590X slug hitters just teed off on that fastball. It's just night and day difference. Uh, but back to your list here in this range, I think it's pretty interesting because you got Strasburg, who you mentioned, Ian, at 99. Mm-hmm. Then Zach Plesak at 102. Seems like maybe you're not as in on Plesak as some others who I've seen have really liked him. But I got to ask you about Otani really like because when when we published these rankings in the magazine last year, Otani was the the cover <sighs> athlete on the article, and you made a pretty pretty bold stance on where you had Otani in dynasty leagues. Of course, the injuries. Played a big part, but it seems like you have uh, soured quite a bit on Otani. Yeah, I have to. I take the L on that one. I'll take the. I'll take the the win on my Luke Voigt's through the years, and I. But I have to take my losses. And Shohei Otani is a loss on my side. I did not expect him to come back and pitch uh, so atrociously. I thought he was going to be a special pitcher. Um, it's possible, and then he got hurt again. So I mean, to me. Uh, now's the time to buy Shohei Otani in dynasty leagues. There's no question. If you were, if you wanted him, you could never get him. The problem is the hope that I had was always that websites would figure out a way to use him in both spots. And the reality is they never did and they didn't care to. And I, and that's too bad. That being said, um, he also isn't terribly valuable because of the way that they use him. right? They're only going to use him four times a week as a hitter. At pretty much at most, unless he becomes, and this ranking, so I'll tell you what this ranking really is. This ranking is a Shohei Otani's about to become a right fielder ranking. And if he were to become a right fielder, this number goes up considerably for me because I love watching this guy hit. And if he were to dedicate himself fully as a one-way player, hitter, I think he could be a special player and hit 30 home runs and steal 25 bases. And that's why he's so high, as high as he is. It's not as a pitcher anymore in my head. Yeah, I do just want to say that I do remember you saying that that your past ranking on Otani had a you'd been assuming that te- that some websites would uh, allow fantasy players to maximize all the output from Otani. That hasn't really happened. And James, what are your thoughts on him? Do you see the the Angels picking one one side of the ball? Um, I think if they're smart, they will. But I. I just don't think we have any proof that they will. I mean, with any two-way guy, you want them to just be a hitter. Like, same thing with Mason Wynn, who's in the Cardinal system. Like, I'm just holding out hope that they scrap the pitching thing and just let him hit. I'm, I think if you have Otani, by far the best case scenario is that they just let him hit because he does have 30-20 upside as a hitter. Very nice. Well, back to the list here. we got Alec Bowman. 30-25. 30-25. Maybe maybe thirty five twenty five, maybe maybe thirty five thirty. I mean that's the thing about the dude. I mean he's he's pretty he's just pretty damn special. Yeah, he really is. And Cabrian Hayes showed some flashes of being. Special. What do you guys think of that Cabrian Hayes? What do you think about that Cabrian Hayes? I like Hayes? I like this ranking one twenty one. I feel like he could be even higher. Um, I'm trying not to lead. We talked about that like maybe a Frankie Lindor comp with him with a guy who's so touted for his defense. I'm trying not, you know, I don't see that kind of superstar future for Hayes, but I do think he's maybe a perennial top 75-ish type of player. Yeah, I think the I think that when you follow prospects and when you're kind of in the dynasty world, you sort of have that benefit of being able to sort of pick out which breakouts are legit and which ones are sort of fool's gold. And I think um, 
I am I am very high on Hayes. All the sharp people um, that kind of also do what I do are, are believers in Hayes. I mean, I think he's just a guy where we've been waiting on the power to sort of actualize in games. It wasn't a question of it not being there as a as a skill with him. So I think it's it's just one of those things where if you've been paying attention, if you've been following Hayes. What he did last year was something that we were waiting for him to do. It wasn't a surprise necessarily. Very interesting. We got to wrap things up here pretty soon. We've got about eight minutes left. Hopefully, we can maybe do a second part or maybe have you on uh, MLB Network Radio, Ian, to talk about these more. But uh, one guy in particular, you know, we talked about Clevenger, and this guy's actually ranked right behind Clevenger, but others in that San Diego rotation, the health question marks, and this ranking on Luis Patino. At 146, I think Ian kind of implies that you're going to be able to extract some fantasy value from him pretty soon. Like, you think he's not far off from providing fantasy value? I think there's going to be a little bit of time. Uh, that's another <laughs> – this is the fun part about being on on these shows is you always pick out the ones where it's like, eh, that, might not, <laughs> that might be a little high on that one, um, on the Luis Patino. Uh, I, 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 uh, I think I'm a little high on Patino, but, uh, the, the, the prospect, I want to see James, where is he on your, on your list? Is he still on your list? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, this is not a final ranking. I, I, I'm still working on my list for next year, but he's in the sixties. He's like 66. Yeah. So based on James's list, I am remarkably high on, on that player. It, it came out of Patino came out of a, I, I tried to make a trade for him at some point And the, the, the guy who I was making the trade with was like, you can give me your first, your second born and your dog and you're not getting Luis Patino. And so, you know, that does play into my thought process occasionally, like just how other people are valuing uh, him. But uh, someone else brought up Patino to me. And as I said, uh, not, not my favorite rank on that. Uh, so I can't, I, I, I defend it because it's there, but I also, I, I also, I liked his stuff when I saw him when he came up. I was like, oh, and he's so young, and there really is upside there. There was uh, the pedigree, but it's a little high. I want to, I want to give you a chance to defend a guy that you've actually sort of been on, like that you were sort of maybe the first guy on. Um, at least I added him in some leagues just because of how high you were on him, and that's uh, Dylan Moore, uh, who you have in the one fifty. So it's, it's not like you're saying he's just some superstar that everyone needs to go trade for, but um, you're buying kind of what he showed last year. And I know you've watched more Dylan Moore than I have. Can you kind of explain to people what you see when you watch Dylan Moore and why you've been in on him for a while now? Right. Well, it was, it was one of the advantages of playing in AL only leagues or only leagues is you really got to go deep. Right. And so I saw Dylan Moore and I saw that there was this guy, Dylan Moore, who I'd of course heard of, but then I was like, wow, he's playing. Oh, look what he did over the weekend. Oh, he had three stolen bases and hit two home runs. Oh, I'm going to pick him up this week. And then I just fell in love with Dylan Moore. And if you look, if you extrapolate without the injury that he had, uh, two injuries that he had, unfortunately. Uh, one was getting hit in the head with a, a bean ball in the last two weeks, which cost me in Tower Wars again. But um, the uh, he was putting up Trevor Story-like numbers in terms of his home runs and stolen bases per at-bats. Uh, he was the key to the Seattle Mariners lineup. I remember, I, again, I look at lineups because the lineups tell you how teams are feeling and he was playing he wasn't playing every day then all of a sudden they put him in every day at second base no not in second base in right field batting second he played every day and he was 
playing great. Then he had a weekend where he struggled for like two games. They took him out of the lineup and the team had two hits that day and scored no runs. And then he went back at number two in the lineup every single day after that. The hard, the kid hits the ball freaking hard. And he runs. Every time he would get on base, he would run. He got caught stealing a little bit more. I think he ended up the season with 12 stolen bases, five caught stealings. Is that right? Hold on. Let me double check that. I know we got to get out in a minute, but uh, is that right? Is it 12? Yeah, 12 stolen bases. It, we have it here on the on the, on the the sheet. Eight home runs and 137 at-bats. I think he's going to play every day. I think he's going to run. So much of what I'm looking for in players with upside is that speed. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dylan Moore, and he he paid off everywhere that I had him. Yeah, what do you guys think? Do you, do you believe it? Do you believe in him? I, I really don't, just because uh, I'm, I know he'll play, but I do kind of worry about like stability with the playing time if he were to go into a slump, you know, and I'm it's not, just a pop-up guy who I don't have much faith. He, in. He's just kind of a guy that I'm sort of waiting to see on. Like, I, I think, uh, I think where you have him is fine. Mm-hmm. I think that in redraft leagues, he's one of those guys and sort of the mid rounds where if you just didn't get enough steals early, he's someone you're going to have to consider. Um, but, um, just really quickly, I know we only got a couple minutes left. Uh, Victor Robles at 86, Trent yeah. Grisham at 89, uh, two players who are trending in opposite directions just based on what they did in, in 2020. But uh, you still like Robles more. Um, talk about those two guys and, and sort of what led them to being where they're at. You know, Grisham is interesting to me. Uh, I, I mean, you, you, you watched him more in Milwaukee than certainly than I did. My thing on Robles is I think that he's going to definitely take the next step. I think he's going to have the opportunity to continue to play and he's going to grow. I know the hard hit rate isn't really there, um, but I, I, I do still believe in Robles. I think now is a good time to buy Victor Robles in dynasty leagues, whereas Trent Grisham, I'm not buying him anywhere because everyone else is, is putting him up higher. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I have him lower certainly than than other people, and on our show on Under the Radar Wednesdays um, on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Network, uh, we go back and forth on Randy or Rosarena or Trent Grisham. I have a Rosarena higher than I have Grisham. That's just where I stand. Where are you guys at? Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I think uh, maybe I'm a little lower on Grisham than others, but I, um, I, I see the I, appeal. I get that he I'm had a, a great. I'm a Grisham season. guy. I'll I'll take Grisham over. I mean, I still I still I still ding him a little bit for that Clinton Kershaw home run, which Paul Sporer was like, Ian, get off it. Come on. He was just having fun. But I there's just something about him that 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 bothered me a little bit where I was like, You're showing up one of the best pitchers in the history of baseball. And Sporer was like, Ian, stop. You're being you're being the old man yelling at you know, get off my lawn. Um, that may be coloring my vision of him, but other people are higher on Grisham. I traded for him in the league, and he helped quite a bit, but then he really did fall off at the end of the season. I mean, his last three weeks, he really struggled. Uh, he did get super hot in August. Again, 60 games. We'll see how it goes. He was starting every day, top of the lineup against righties, batting ninth against lefties. Uh, they they like him, obviously, but uh, I'm not a huge Grisham guy, obviously. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Ian. I, something about him, and maybe it was the the way he finished, is still looming in my head. But I I have some hesitations about where he's going in redraft. At least, I just want to mention Ha Seong Kim, largely an unknown, but uh, the equivalencies. I know the major league equivalencies are pretty favorable, and a lot of scouts think he, he, the skills will translate. 
Uh, so you have him in at 168. If the Reds don't get Frankie James, maybe, maybe they get Ha Seung Kim. Uh, they can't. They can't yeah. be going in the future with Jose Garcia. Short, they can, at least they can do the. They could do the Shogo Akiyama Ha Seung Kim one Ooh. two at the top. There. Well, Akiyama, did Akiyama make the list? Finally, I think he did make the list because they they were playing him and he was running. Uh, was Kim, running, but that power is just non-existent. Oh, no, no, no. He's he's he doesn't he's even not, have gap power. No, but but Kim, Kim, Tim McLeod, my my godfather in this business, Timmy McLeod, has been talking to me about Ha Seung Kim for a little while now, and uh, I try I to get Tim him. Love Tim McLeod, yeah, great man, guy. nicest, the nicest of men. Um, and Ha Seung Kim, I tried so hard to get him from Lift Shits in uh, Devil's Rejects. I was trying to Tim Anderson just give me Kim, and I was asking for more than Kim. But what I I knew was that the guy I wanted was Kim. And Ralph was like, yeah, you're not getting Kim. Kim is going to be awesome. You know it. I Another know it. Another KBO like guy it. I like long-term is Bako Gung. Played for the KT Wiz. Just, he's like 20 years old, just a ton of raw power, big leg kick. Pretty excited about him. Another guy coming is Sela Suzuki. He'll be coming soon. And ridiculous power. I mean, just ridiculous power. But not this year. Nice. Well, Ian, got to wrap things up. Uh, always great talk with you. Anything else you want to plug or mention before we sign off? Uh, yeah, I'm fortunate enough to, uh, as I said, do the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast with my guys, Nando DeFino and Derek Van Riper, and really fortunate to be able to do the Dynasty Rankings at Roto-Wire with my partners, uh, James Anderson and Clay Link. Uh, Jeff Erickson and uh, and Todd Zola, I mean, just a great team over at Roto-Wire. You guys are, uh, you guys are fantastic, really the best. And tonight, my partner Steve Gardner and I uh, we've partnered in a league. I got invited into the XFL, um, which is the the oldest dynasty slash keeper league in the industry. And Steve, Steve and I have been prepping because tonight is our auction. What this is Saturday, and we are our auction is tonight. And uh, we've been making some amazing trades. We could do a whole podcast on the trades. I had reached out to James on a couple of them. I made a huge trade with Jeff Erickson earlier in the year. We'll use that as a little teaser. But a real pleasure always to be with you guys. Oh, we're thrilled to talk with you, and great having you be a part of the the team here at Roadwire. We're we're thrilled to have you. Give Ian a follow on Twitter at iancon4. That's his baseball account, and hope to talk again soon. James, always a pleasure, man. Appreciate all of you tuning in. We'll talk to you in a few weeks here on the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.